you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Around the NFL podcast, were mini camp holdouts. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast, presented by New Era. My name is Dan Hansis, joined in a room filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Oh yeah, it's another video show. Feeling a little nervous. Heroes and hats. That's what you're saying. It's the hat show. We call it the hat show, and Mark's wearing one of his fancy boy shirts, so you know it. It's it's a different type of show. There's a lot more uh, lights on in this room. There's stuff all around us. It just makes me feel nervous. And, I'm not sure I can really, the, if I can get through it. The thousands of listeners that grew up, you know, listening to this podcast and, and say, don't ever change, don't ever change. Our promises, even with more lights, even with hats, even with the great people at New Era involved, same show. It's like when Wayne's World had to deal with Noah's Arcade. Eventually, they kind of pushed Noah's Arcade out of the way. It was still Wayne and Garth. Similar thing. Is that an updated enough pop culture reference? I, I was going to say, yeah. It will be the same show giving Wayne's World references <laughs> for the next two days. Hideously out-of-date reference. If you do want to see the video version of this show, uh, it streams tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on NFL.com slash ATN Live. Nice new vanity URL. Get excited. And if you miss the live stream, um, that same link will also take you to the show. So I don't know. That's I, that's what I'm reading <laughs> that, off the card. Great internet direction. Does so. that make sense? Just go to ATN Live starting Just noon Eastern. Eastern. You can see the show. Eastern. I don't know where you live. It's not up to us to know. So just figure out the time zone situation. Google. It's your friend. Or Bing it, as Mark does. Yeah, I do not <laughs> use Bing. I find that Bing is largely, it feels like malware to me at this point. Because... Um, <laughs> Give up on that Bing sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Random Bing drive-by here. <laughs> really. Uh, by the way, we are all, if you could hear it in our voices, we are all, all of us are very excited. Um, I just want the audience to know, we want the audience to know that coming soon, in fact, coming 
next week, when really the season begins once more with the training camps opening up across the country, this uh, podcast will have something very special. Big announcement. A big <laughs> announcement. What's with the coup? Because it's a rebirth. The season oh. is upon. I just made that up. Baby cooing. Oh, who doesn't like a baby cooing? It's a nice touch, depending on your life situation. That's true. Um, so big announcement, Greg, coming up. We can't, we, we can't say anything else. And not a, a fake one. one. It's not just hyped up where it be, it's actually something very low level. It's legit big news. And you're probably thinking, we know, uh, we know what they're going to say. No, you don't. So it's a big announcement. Is that exciting, Wes? I couldn't be more excited. I'm downright giddy. Very good. And uh, so all that those g- good vibes will carry over to today's show. Uh, the retirement of one of the all-time greats at his position. We're going to get to that. Uh, updates on uh, Seahawks star Earl Thomas. Julio Jones of the Falcons. Big changes in a broadcast booth of one of the flagship AFC franchises. And yes, we waited, Wes. We waited so long uh, throughout the offseason. Who is going to be the first player to predict his team goes undefeated? That has now happened. Well, in a shocking turn of events, mm. it's the same player who predicted it last year. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I forgot uh, yes, that. it is. Uh, and also, Jimmy G, you sly dog. So we're going to get to all that. And then um, we haven't done it in a while. What's more likely training camp edition? Oh, that's going to be fun. Mark, don't think don't think anybody forgot because it's live on the website now. We will get into five reasons why the New England Patriots will sneak into the AFC playoffs. Wow! Into 2018 or charge? I I don't know. You have I I don't I didn't imply sneak in in the actual piece, but I believe they will make it, and it's the final piece in that series. And I think it's what you leave people with last that they remember, and they'll say this guy nailed it. This feels like a solid opinion on NFL.com. Very nicely done, Mark, and a really nice piece. We're going to get to that. But before that, let's do some news. The Jets show blitz. Here they come. Back to throw Rivers. Backpedaling. Throws a lob down the right sideline. Jackson has it knocked away by Revis. Off the deflection, Revis picks it up. I think it's an interception. He has it. He's back at the 20-yard line. Blockers out in front. Out to the 23. Darrell Revis somehow on his back. Found the loose ball and picks it off. A deflected ball off the fingertips of Vincent Jackson. Bob was choosing, who's a great play-by-play guy for the Jets with the call there. That was, of course, uh, you may know if you're a fan, Revis' big interception against the Chargers in the 2010 playoffs, I believe it was. Uh, Darrell Revis, it's all over. Uh, he announced officially on Wednesday that he is ending his 11-year career a uh, seven-time Pro Bowl cornerback. Uh, he um, is leaving the game. Really celebrated, um, Wes, as one of the very best. Not just like, oh, when you talk about uh, Darrell Rivas, he's in that group of the top 20 guys. Like He's probably even in the Mount Rushmore of cover cornerbacks of all time. Where do you see uh, Darrell Rivas as he leaves the game at age 33? His 2009 season ranks with Deion Sanders' 1994 season as the two best cornerback seasons I've ever seen. And if you read Collision Low Crossers about a season with the New York Jets, 
Um, you will see that that book is a lot about Darrell Revis and how he is basically the defensive answer to Jerry Rice as far as how obsessed he is with the game, with beating receivers to the spot, running their routes for them, his uh, physical fitness, the way his practice habits, the fact that anyone completing a pass on him in practice would get him riled up. I think the mindset that Jerry Rice had on offense is what Darrell Revis had on defense. I wrote about it on NFL.com yesterday. That 2009 season, if you go down the list, nobody did any business against Revis, and that carried over. Really, 2008, Greg, to 2011 is where I see his prime, and then you kind of cut his career in two halves when he tore his ACL in 2012, but there was just nobody better at the position. Though that four-year run, and he did get another first-team All-Pro when he was with the Patriots, but that four-year run with the Jets is how you really think of him, and that four-year run, to me, was as dominant as any defensive player of the last 15, 16 years other than maybe J.J. Watt. But I would put basically J.J. Watt in terms of defenders in the 21st century, and I would put Darrell Rivas in that run just in terms of single-handedly changing a game, dominant snap after snap. And I, you mentioned collision low crosser, just that his teammates and his coaches sort of in awe of him, almost af- almost afraid, wasn't necessarily always the easiest personality, and they just were kind of in awe because he was that great. A I mean, when you're young too, you, you can identify when you get into football, oh, that wide receiver is different than other wide receivers. Receiver. So that running back, Barry Sanders, looks different than other running backs. And cornerbacks and safeties spend much of their time on television off screen. But Revis became this guy that would generate highlights in games as much as anyone else. Because play after play, like in the college game, when you can take the best weapon on the other side of the ball and remove it, that's how a lot of college football operates. Revis was doing that to the best wide receivers. In your piece, and it's out there from NFL Research, his performance, not just against regular jabronis, but like the best guys in the game. He just erased them yeah. off the planet. And as a, as a Jets fan, you, 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 you don't have a lot of nice things. Sometimes I feel like Jets fans don't get to nice say the things. least. And then all of a sudden Revis showed up. And even though, of course, um, they never got over the hump truly with the Patriots, never got to the Super Bowl with Revis for a while there. It felt like the Jets had a chance because Revis was at the center of their defense and was really like this this kind of ace in the hole that Rex Ryan Rex Ryan called him a once in a lifetime player. And at in that apex period around the turn of this uh, right around the turn of this decade, he called him the best player in the league, period. He's at that level for that reason is, is why I, I wrote that I think Revis is the best jet ever. Uh, pound for pound as 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 a player um, because I know Joe Namath and although I was getting killed when the most important Jeff. NFL tweeted it out you know and didn't obviously <laughs> there's no context in a tweet no one clicks into it uh, Joe Namath I love that man never saw him play but I love that man he's the most important Jet he remains the face of the Jets for better or, wor- or worse 40 years after he was the quarterback but I think Revis was the special type of talent Pound for pound, the greatest Jet to ever play. Namath created a moment, right? That is indelible, and it's 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 it, one of the greatest moments in NFL history. But he wasn't dominant the way that he, a, he is. was a one. He made All Pro first team one time, and Darrell Revis did it four times. Not that that's the only way you can measure it, but in terms of just being at the very top of your position in the top of the sport. And I think as soon as I wrote this, I knew somebody might take issue with me. Uh, the number one Namath fan I've ever known is the old man. <laughs> So I, I, I had to get Dad on the phone yesterday. I said, Dad, I don't know if you read the article yet. The headline is that Revis is the best Jet ever. Do you want to come on the show and get a retort in? So he did leave me a voicemail. Let's hear. His name is Keith. His dad's dad. No doubt about it, he's a 
with regards to Daryl Rivas, goodbye to the greatest jet. Uh, and my my feeling is that Joe Namath will always be the greatest jet. Uh, maybe it's because I was young enough to uh, appreciate watching him during his playing days and just see his charisma that he had for the game, the long hair, the white shoes. You know, it was just like I think he transcended the game. And for that reason, uh, I think he is and will always be the greatest Jet and always will be one of the football players that will be highly regarded for those things that I mentioned. Statistically, we all know he wasn't the best, but as far as I was concerned, anytime he came onto the field, he was the man. And that's why I'll always say he's the greatest Jet. It is fair, and I think that more glowing prose has been written about Joe Namath than any other football player I've ever read about. It's true. I, I do want to mention Revis's year with the Patriots. We should. Before right. we move on, just because it it's interesting that he's obviously, I think, the greatest Jet of all times in, in terms of his great play, but that year in New England really meant a lot, not just to Darrell Revis's uh, career, which I really think it does. If you look at his career, you said it was broken up into two parts. He had that year with the Bucks where he was kind of getting over the injury. Clear. Ended up playing well at the end of the year. Other than that, really, the post-Jets first time around career was a little spotty, except for that run in New England where he was one of the most valuable players on a team that brought home their first Super Bowl in what was a decade. And he has a very unique spot in Patriots history. I can't think of another guy who came in for one year and really keyed a Super Bowl championship, but he was a major part of that team, a, a team that, you know, as a Patriots fan, probably my second favorite Patriots team to the one that first won it because it had been so long since they won. And I don't think they win that Super Bowl without him. And I do think it kind of changes how we look back on his career that he had that great. But if you're, if you're Dan's dad also like one, I'd have a hard time as a longtime Jets fan Siding with Revis is my favorite. I think he's, your dad's someone Namath as being his favorite player right. too. It's dipped in nostalgia, and Revis is someone that went to your arch enemy in the middle of his career, helped them win a Super Bowl, and then the Jets got too nostalgic and signed him again to that contract, and that never right. worked out for. He'll them. never be anybody's favorite Jet because right. of that reason. Right. Even though he called Belichick a jerk years before he went and signed with him and won a Super Bowl, and also he cannot be forgotten. The one last note I have about his career is after he took the Jets' money to come back, and good for him. He was a legendary bargain, a guy in, that made the most of his leverage. Uh, but after a, a, a pretty good first year of the contract in 2015, he cratered in the second year. And not only was – everybody gets old, but the effort level wasn't there. And he, he wasn't was, even that old. I know. He got old quick, and the effort level, you would see him take plays off. You were talking about that legendary competitiveness. It really, as a Jet fan, you scratched your head as – how did this happen? And How could it be the same guy? It was a bittersweet, uh, kind of a bitter ending. Uh, but as a Jeff fan, I do overall look back at that guy was special. Uh, and I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. We'll see what happens. Uh, no uh, moving on, Brandon Cooks is getting paid by the Rams, who announced they have signed Cooks to a five-year extension that runs through the 2023 season. Rap Sheet reported the deal worth $81 million overall. That includes $20.5 million fully guaranteed at signing, $50.5 million in total guarantees. Cooks was entering the final year of his rookie deal, slated to make about $8.5 million this season. Uh, this comes after the Rams traded for Cooks, got him from, from the uh, Patriots, of course, gave up a first-round pick to do it, and now they make him a long-term solution there, Greg. 
They do. I still haven't totally seen the structure. The fact that it's 20.5 fully guaranteed doesn't sound this like that. This is on that your radar, much. by the way. Well, I, I'm not into the whole report the deal, make it sound good for the agent. Everyone's like, wow, can't believe they're playing Brandon Cooks, like so much <laughs> money. It's like all the end years on those contracts don't really mean much to me. And my guess, because the longer it takes to get out, the more team-friendly it usually is, is that they got him at a pretty good rate for the next two to three years, and that's all that really matters. And I think it'll help them. Well, heads up to NFL Network Steve Weish, friend of the show, who back in April said this would happen. He knew it, and it was Steve back in April. He it. does. It was, they liked him, though. I think the thing is, it sounds like coming from the Rams organization that they, they've liked the idea of Cooks from the minute he got there. He's been working out with the quarterbacks. He, the coach staff must believe, after losing Sammy Watkins, that we don't want to install him for a year and then lose him to free agency. There's got to be some continuity, continuity, a wide receiver, and he's a player that fits there. McVeigh loves him. They tried to trade for him last offseason only to be outbid by the Patriots. So they went and got him again, and in his system, he's going to fill that Sammy Watkins role where you just need his speed to get the attention away from all the other guys, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, the tight ends. And to me, okay, if, if three, two of the best five offensive minds in the NFL are Josh McDaniels and uh, Sean Payton, they decided they didn't want him long term. But McVeigh might be the best offensive mind in the NFL, and he does want him. So what do you do with that information? The Rams uh, led the league in points scored last year. I think they averaged right at 30 points a game. Do we think they're going to have that type of level of scoring ability? Doesn't it naturally year? have to come down a little come bit? Down? I don't just, know. Just, I mean, that's Cooks just is a new piece works. of the puzzle. Watkins was nothing more than a complimentary piece. They're obviously paying Cooks to be a big-time playmaker in this offense. Sort of depends how you judge offense. If it's by total points, then field position and what your defense and special teams do for you matters a lot. If it's by other metrics, the Rams were more like 7th, 8th, 10th in a lot of those categories. I think they can get better, and I think from what I've seen, Cooks is a little underrated in fantasy leagues. People think he's just going to play that Watkins role, but Cooks is going to catch a lot more short passes, a lot more passes over the middle. I think he is going to be their number one receiver. I'm su- I'm almost surprised that's not conventional wisdom. That- he needs to be better with his with the ball in his hands. Like that has it was supposed to be a strength of his game coming into the league, and it really and hasn't been. And he hasn't been a great deep threat, but he's a guy I think. I'm expecting to go over 1,000 yards. I'm expecting to get 70 catches. There's, there's no reason to think Robert right. Woods is going to be better than him. The play stuck in my mind because we were, we were just watching it from above is in the Super Bowl. On a, he needed to convert that first down, and he got stuffed. Yeah, I know exactly. That was, a, that was a that was a tone a changing play against the Eagles. The, yeah, for for a touchdown, and he jumped and, and didn't make the man miss. It was I I think one of the biggest plays in the. Entire I think he should have been thrown out of the league. <laughs> Get rid of him. <laughs> There's no tackle breaking element to his game. Sure, but he's getting paid to be a star. Let's see how it plays out. Moving on, the Arizona Cardinals trying to move on from this kime bomb. Ticking all around the team right now, unfortunately. The general manager, Steve Kime, jailed at 9 p.m. on Tuesday evening uh, in Phoenix after ple- pleading guilty to extreme DUI earlier in the day. Uh, he's going to be released today, Thursday. May have happened already. Uh, and then seven days house arrest. He has to have one of those ignition interlock device things installed. Like uh, well, You know it well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, Judd Apatow's wife and uh, 40-year-old virgin. See, we're moving up a couple decades there. <laughs> One of those devices in the cars, which really has to be humbling to have that uh, installed in your car. Uh, anyway, the Cardinals suspended Kime five weeks, fined him 200 k um, for this serious DUI incident 
Of course, he was arrested on July 4th, as we talked about. He blew a .19, which is an extreme DUI. The legal limit in most states is .08, as you know, Mark. I mean, you don't want to be... The problem if you're Steve Kime, because he... As up, you know. Up, as I do not know, thank you. <laughs> up until now, he has been, I think, one of the league's better general managers. I thought he paired really well with Arians. Those, they, they got along so well. There was a continuity in that organization. Now most people... This, when you, you you go out and do something, this is how we think of him for the foreseeable future. I think the one, like, in terms of his, like, suspension, he's back before final cuts. Yeah, I think week after week two of the, the preseason. Moving on, Earl Thomas, the Seahawks safety. He has a message uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, and it is this, posted uh, on Instagram. Always been the underdog. Ain't nothing new. This was uh, posted with a photo of him working out, looking very muscular and athletic. A man still in his prime of his, his life. Anyway. You seem ex- excited about that. Extend. <laughs> okay. Extend. If you don't want me, let's make a trade happen. I understand it's a biz. Thoughts, was? Well, this is an escalation of his prior comments that he's not doing any team activities until he gets paid. And now he's just saying, trade me. You know, it's no secret, as Cliff Averill said recently, that he loves the Dallas Cowboys, that after games he would rush to see what the Cowboys are doing or he would want to sit down and watch Monday Night Football if the Cowboys are playing. All the dots are connecting, but the Seahawks don't want to give him away for, say, a third-round pick, and the Cowboys don't seem to want to give any more than a third-round pick. Thomas skipped last month's mandatory minicamp, insisting at the time he will not participate in team activities until the Seahawks extend a contract one year, eight and a half million. That's not happening. So uh, I don't think we've heard the last of this showdown. It's one of the only right. stories heading into camp that I think has some real juice where it could change you know, some, some of the NFC teams, whether it's the Cowboys, Seahawks. Maybe they could trade him. I don't know if they'd ever think about the 49ers who have a similar defensive scheme. I listed it as one of my pending mysteries as we headed into the break, and I believe I nailed that. Thank you. Uh, Speaking of stars grumbling over money, and they're all millionaires. Where do they get off? (laughs) That's really your uh, coal miner background. (laughs) Did did you know, by the way, Bob, that Bob McAdoo, Ben McAdoo's dad really was a coal miner. He grew up as a coal miner. Yeah, that was tucked away in that. that I know that. Saying well, I've seen them at some of the conventions. That's legit. Taking their pasties down into the or pasties down into the yeah. cave. Oh, you know, when is the last time that. Dan you were at a coal miners convention? I don't it's remember you tough. leaving town. Since for I that. took the job in LA, it's been tough. But uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. every year with barbecue. Do they have conventions? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they meet up at the Phoenix um, Marriott <laughs> every year. Biltmore. <laughs> no, it would be the held Black at, Long Marriott. It would be held at the local Elks Lodge. And what we do, we roast a pig, get a couple cans, we, and then we just shoot, shoot. Yes, and talk about who died, who's who's sick, uh, who's you know who's doing okay, who, any sons that are getting aging into it, which is around age nine or ten. Uh, it was you know that was life in the town. The annual canary celebration, of course. Oh yes, that's when you free the canaries that survived. Uh, one of the best Pearl River. Activities. Is that what they do? I thought I thought the canary was in there to tell them whether it was safe to go in. Part of the Canary Freedom Act of 1917. Uh. <laughs> Julio Jones. Uh, he, he wants more money. He sat out off-season workouts in hopes of getting a new contract. Uh, the Falcons are not planning to renegotiate the All-Pro's receiver, All-Pro receiver's deal, though. Three years left on that contract, Rap Sheet reported Thursday. Um, the Athletic first had that news. Uh, so the third year, the deal, uh, with three years left on the deal, Mark, 
the Falcons say, no, no, no. We got some other guys we need to lock up. Maybe we'll get to you, Julio. And now I'm just reading between the lines, but not right now. He's got a great case. I mean, he's making about a quarter of a million dollars more than Demarius Thomas right now and has guys like Jarvis Landry and Mike Evans and Sammy Watkins above him. I mean, this is one of the best players at his position since we've been working in this job. But you also, when you sign these long-term deals, the Falcons own the leverage right now. Yeah, he's got three years left. No one, Almost no one gets new contracts with three years left. Tom Pelissero from NFL Network did say they promised Julio Jones that they'll you know, renegotiate or enter contract talks after the season. I don't know what that really means. It's not like you can promise him a new contract. Hey, we'll talk after the season. It just seems like an olive branch so that Julio can show up you know, with his pride intact, I think this story is not going to last too long. I think he's going to show up. I mean, how many guest rooms do you need at a certain point? How big your yacht got to be? I mean, Wes went through a period where he complained, and as we all did, but he was quite vocal about his salary. Um, and then it was Extremely addressed vocal. to some degree. And is Wes coming back one year later saying do it again? Yes. He know. Oh, are you? I have not mentioned. I have not heard a word. <laughs> my salary since I was supremely underpaid a couple of years. That's right. Ago. So don't sign a five-year deal or whatever. Then year two, you're starting to squawk. Sit down. Very nice. Moving on. Not specifically to Julio Jones, but just in general. Here's a report <laughs> from our boy Gil Manzano, who's uh, used to work on the desk here at NFL Media, and now he's doing good things at the Las Vegas Review Journal. He reported. Hey, Gil. Hey, oh, Gil. Says he still listens to the show. Uh, nice. Shouts to Gil. Uh, the report, an exclusive one, that uh, Brent Musburger, uh, the man that once upon a time fell deeply in love with A.J. McCarron's girlfriend on live television, uh, but he also had a good career around that as well. But <laughs> that's somebody. something that's happened. Anyway, he will soon be calling games for the Oakland Raiders, soon to be the Las Vegas Raiders. Musburger has agreed to a three-year deal to be the radio play-by-play voice for the Raiders starting this season. Uh, um, and Musburger, who's 79 years old, uh, and the Raiders at the time declined to comment, and it was because, as Gil uh, referenced in his report, Greg Papa, who we know Greg Papa. Touchdown! Raiders! I mean, come on. He uh, has a famous touchdown call, and everyone was wondering for a few days, well, what about Greg? And according to Gil... He might, he might not yet know of the switch at, as, at the time of this reporting, uh, but the Raiders released a statement Thursday thanking Greg Papa for his, uh, I believe, two decades of work behind the mic. But it's Brent time now, baby. When you become an institution, as Papa was... Everybody bite into a Musburger. Sometimes you become a little too invested. Right. And he was close with Al Davis... And some of the statements he was making, some of the opinions he had were so strong that if I was Mark Davis, I would have had issues with him too. And this happens all the time to people who are institutions. Mm. But but Musburger is an institution too, and not at the you know peak of his career right now. And they met, you know, he, he mentioned Mark Davis mentioned you know that Greg Papa had become an institution for two decades. Everyone will think of him. You know, this is it's not going to be like a long term hire. Musburger's made some quite some shaky, shaky comments, not just about AJ McCarron's uh, future wife, but he said some questionable things on Twitter over the last couple. Are of you years. saying that Brent it's Musburger? An odd one. It's an odd one. Is in a hashtag gradual decline. I don't know about gradual. I mean, the, the Raiders <laughs> have done some weird stuff this offseason, but Wes, is, Wes nailed it. This is they're moving to Vegas, and they're not bringing Greg Papa with them, and it has to do with being in the final chapter of a standoff. He called Al Davis 
a second father to him, and he backed everything that Al Davis did. And when, when Al Davis fired Mike Shanahan, and when when Mark Davis, before hiring the previous coach, wanted to bring in Mike Shanahan as a candidate, Greg Papa flamed him on the radio. And typically, your team play-by-play guy is a little bit more PR-oriented. You don't go yeah. flaming ownership. Well, Some, sometimes when you're so invested, you forget that you're not the owner. The owner's the owner. It, it is It is a great preview, though, of how different this Vegas Raiders thing is going to be. Because, you know, I would assume one of the big reasons they hired Musburger is he is a part owner in a Las Vegas sports and information network. Like he has started essentially a gambling network and he got out in front of it a couple of years ago and it's probably it looking look like a good it, investment. And the Raiders, I think with this hire, they're tacitly getting ahead of that. And I think they're going to want to be the team at the forefront of gambling on football. It seemed like when Greg Mus- also a part owner in that organization, <laughs> just majority owner. Yeah. Uh, Musburger, when he, I uh, hope Brent doesn't you know, listen to this because I do want to go work there in a few years <laughs> when I lose this job. That's well, a podcast. No, Musburger, when he got, uh, you know, cut loose by CBS and then you heard that he took a job like writing a gambling column in Vegas. It seemed like like maybe Brent Musburger, broadcasting legend, was a little above it, but it seems like he was ahead of the curve on all this, and now he's got a, a great broadcasting gig for an NFL team, and everything's coming up Musburger. Maybe uh, McCarron's wife, you know, should have went down Musburger lane. No, so I think she's probably very content with her own The husband's freezing his ass off, uh, you know, as a backup quarterback now in Buffalo after doing a, uh, doing a uh, what do they call it in the prison talk? We did a... Uh, Stint? Stint, not a stint. I did a bit. He did a bit in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati, and now he's going up to Buffalo. Meanwhile, Musburger's setting the world on fire in Vegas. I'm just saying. You ever heard of love, Dan? <laughs> Doesn't exist. It's not always upgrade avenue, Dan. <laughs> Moving on, Malik Jackson is the man. Yes, uh, we waited. Uh, we have a trope alert. Uh, someone uh, throwing out the undefeated bomb. Trope it, it alert. Is. Trope alert. Trope alert. The Jaguars star said to TMZ Sports. So whenever I see something come from TMZ Sports, I'm assuming the player is coming out of a bar probably a little bit drunk. That's always my guess. Or an airport, a little drunk off the plane. Yeah. Anyway, he said this. I think we're I think we're going 16-0. and And then he doubled down. I'm calling it 16-0. and I don't think anybody can beat us as long as we stay healthy and do what we're supposed to do. And this is our training camp spotlight, Dan, of course. Too. Oh, of so. course it is. It's the training camp spotlight presented by New Era. So with that in mind, Greg, any chance? Is there any chance? Forget about 16-0. and 0, Oh. You know, that the Jags can be 6-0 and 0 in October, sure. a team where we're starting to get a little juiced about. Sure, there's a chance. I mean, I would give them, I would give them as good a chance as, as – Almost any other team, but 60 no is not going to happen. This well, is the same guy who predicted they were going to win the Super Bowl last year. And he said they were going to go. Almost. He, he basically said they were going to go 16 and 0 last year, too. They play the Patriots in week two. So there's that showdown looming. And they showed, they showed him as the second part of this interview on the reporter's phone pictures of Tom Brady nestled at a beach with Giselle. And Tom Brady, I mean, we all love Tom Brady as an athlete, was looking a little dad bodish, like it just wasn't a chiseled physique. He's never been like impressive. No, he hasn't, but it was definitely like the guy's got a bit of a dad bod. And they asked Malik Jackson (laughs) about it, and he said, hopefully week two, man, he's looking like that. He looks a little sluggish. Whoa. That's a burner. Patriots went undefeated in the regular season 2007. 
they came out like a house on fire. And then throughout the year, you saw, especially late in the year, they needed some comebacks. The Jacksonville Jaguars are built to play with the lead. They are not built for these dramatic comebacks that they're going to need over the course of a 16-game season. This is an impossibility with Blake yeah. Bortles at quarterback. I will There's say, a much better chance they finish in third place than go 16. Yeah, I would be right. shocked if they make it out of September undefeated. But, you know, this is the type of jargon, uh, ban- banter we have when we're, uh, you know, under that training camp spotlight presented by New Era. It's it's better than <laughs> it's better than a year ago when uh, Ricardo Lewis of the Browns, people don't remember Who? of the Browns, Ricardo Lewis uh, predicted they would go 0-16, and he was right. He nailed it. Or the season. No one ever does. <laughs> people, do don't, predict people don't do that very often. We're going to do it. Ricardo We're going to go 0-16. And finally in the news, oh, speaking of TMZ, mm-mm-mm. I'm just going to read it. This is a, by the way, just before I read this this note, no judgment zone. 49ers, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo was spotted in Beverly Hills, which is a stone's throw away from this very studio, uh, on Wednesday night at dinner. And it was a date. He was on a date. And the date that he was on was with a, a well, well-known woman. A well-known woman who works in a, an industry that caters toward adults. It's the adult industry. The silver screen. The adult film industry. He was on a date with an adult film actress, uh, and uh, they TMZ got footage of them cozying up, and then um, I won't get into it, but uh, the actress named Kiara Mia uh, on her Instagram account uh, posted something that I would uh, I would label very suggestive about how the evening ended. So Jimmy Garoppolo and an adult film star out on a date, documented out everywhere, no judgment zone. I will say this though. <laughs> I will say this. It smells like judgment already. No, no, I'll say this. Huh. Okay. Jimmy. Jimmy J. A little surprise, that's all. Um, Just even bringing this up in some of the conversation, you know, before the show, I feel like... Just bringing it up at all is is judge is a judgment that I'm, oh, no. I'm not comfortable with. Let a man... Oh, Let's stop do what he it. Wants. Why can't we judge? Woman. Why can't we judge people's oh, stop actions? Stop it, Greg. That is ridiculous. That you're trying to spin it. Get like it. That. Get it out of the. Get it out of their pi- pockets. Leave them alone. Get it out can't of. Can't judge pockets. people's actions get out of their now. Pants. Get- no. I think you just turn people's heads because when it was Gronk, it's for the fifth or sixth time we've seen yes. Gronk do that. And with Jimmy G, who has been, all we know of him is his on-field play and how studious he is. And it was a bit. I thought it was an interesting. If you were to pick a, oh. a player out of a hat to do that, it's not the first guy I would have said would it be on my top ten well, list. But why not? We don't know. Him. I don't know him, so it's just because of so what I've, what's I, been I presented. I can tell to you me. why not. Why? Because if you are one of the most handsome players in the league, you earn over one hundred thirty million dollars now. You can have any woman you want. To me, I would like to see him expand sort of his dating pool. All right. What See, do you know about I what he likes that, and his though. preferences and whatever he well, wants? He can he, date whoever he wants. He can. I'm allowed and, to be disappointed in it, too. And I think uh, I think society is m- moving forward in a positive way here. You can, as a woman, you could work in industries that cater toward the adults' end of the spectrum. Uh, so I'm not judging that. I'm just a little surprised, Jimmy. For the record, I'm judging it, and right. I don't feel bad about it. Captain America. It's free will, but it's like it's you have to know it's going to get if you're that star quarterback, it's going to get on TMZ and it's going to do all that. If, do, do we care about that if you're the Niners or him? Maybe not. Uh, we don't know. I think the Niners probably had a conversation today. Not Maybe not with Jimmy G, but internally probably. Every coach and GM you ever talk to, all the, the, what they don't like in general is just distraction in any form. 
They should be worried so, about whether players are just how they treat women, not really worried about who they're dating them. Well, I, I think that how they treat women should be by far the priority. But, yeah, I, you you do have free will to do whatever you want, and we have free will to judge you for it. Jimmy G, you sly devil. <laughs> That's what's happening in the news. Uh, before we get to uh, the what's more likely training camp edition, yes, we teased it earlier in the week. Oh, my goodness. Mark Sessler, Adam Rank tag teaming on one of the the most, I don't know, laborious uh, long-term uh, segments in the history of NFLmedia.com writing uh, where you you made the case for every team, they will make the playoffs. I don't care if you're the Browns or the Redskins or the Titans. Every team got a write-up explaining that they will make the playoffs, which presents logistical issues. Of course, to say the least, uh, but it ended with the New England Patriots and everyone was how will how will Mark handle this? And uh, I read the piece. And I thought you did a nice job by just like laying out the facts. It's well, the problem with these some of these, you have to go into an area that feels non-factual. You're sort of saying this team, which is a sort of a mess. If these things happen, then this might happen to them with the Patriots. It's like just keep doing what you've been doing, keep playing in the division that you've been playing in, and mi- minus some sort of in-house implosion, I mean, the piece somewhat wrote itself. Mm. Yes. I mean, you... I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, part of me wish, um, wishes it was just you click into the story, and it's like the headline, the Patriots will make the playoffs. I pitched that. And then just one word, because. I pitched that, or and that was like, not what they were looking C-2009 for. See 2009 through 2017. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. Next year, maybe convince your editor to just simply have one article titled "NFL Should Expand Playoff Field to 32 Teams." Mm. Then you're definitely that's that's sort of like that was like the sub theme to this whole thing. Logically, so. it checks out in that case. And I, I heard, also I mentioned you in the yeah. piece, which is like that's one way to get Dan to read it. Yeah. And I say, hey man, put your name in here. And then he's like, at least gonna sift through looking <laughs> did, for yeah. where his name is hyperlinked. I did like did, a, did an edit search. I did an <laughs> edit search. I saw it. I said, okay, I've been referenced. I'll Click out. Move on. So, but if we would have put just because period, you would have robbed the readers of some nice Sessler prose. So good work there, Mark. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, 30, baby. they were not down with that. That would have been a very easy way to wrap that assignment up in about 12 seconds or however long it takes to type because. Mm. And uh, no was the answer. You never know. Even. I mean, Bucky Brooks was on uh, the Move the Sticks podcast saying the Jets are the biggest biggest uh, threats there to the Patriots this year. This year? Watch out. He said, watch uh, out this year. But there's always been one of those three teams that is. That doesn't mean they're going to go better than six and ten in their own right. So I think when the Jets were good, the Patriots probably should have been more scared of them than when they are now. I can't. I can't argue any of this. <laughs> Jets are a couple years away, but that would be great if the Jets were in the mix of the AFC East. That would mean the Pats really are on their way to a dirt nap, and it would be one of those like nine and seven division winners. I cannot see the Pats there yet, but it's this will be an interesting year in New England. Good job, Mark. Thank you. Done with that item of discussion. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> really seemed excited about it being part of the show. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yes, it, it's been a while, so let's play one of our favorite games. What's more likely? All right, it's been, it's been a minute since we uh, went down What's More Likely Boulevard 
This is a game. First of all, it's a game usually Mark didn't talk to you before. You usually conflate this with Qualis to Fantasia. I know that's an, an, yeah. an oft charge yes. against me, so I attempted to not do that this time. Well, definitely never want to censor the quiet storm. No, but it was a fair thing. It's like, it, but I will try not to. Okay. Who knows? We'll see. We're going to see how it plays out. What's more likely? It's a game where you take two options, and this is the training camp edition. So something training camp preseason related, basically everything before the calendar turns over to September. Uh, two uh, possibilities. Which one is more likely? It's a simple game, but it's a fun one, isn't it, Chris? Oh, it's one of my favorites. All right. I Mark. Mean, it was definitely yeah. one when we brought it up, you know, before the show, our friend Sully was in was in the room, and when he heard about it, he was like, F- yeah. There was it a was fist pump like, wow, or two was there. He <laughs> was really excited. You never know it's going to get Sully pumped up. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's fishing, hunting, of course, Tennessee football. And you can now add what's more likely to that list. Another item on the what's list. What's more likely? So let's do it. We should do a segment, what's more likely to get Sully pumped up. Mm. I could guess a few things. Uh, barbecue. Bluegrass concert. Bluegrass. Hops. Is he back there? He left. Okay. Oh, I mean, what are we what doing? Are we doing here? <laughs> All right, get us going, Mark. All right, so here we go. What's more likely? Hard Knocks has just wrapped. What's more likely? The Browns come out of the HBO series having largely won over the football deep state for being a team that, despite its rocky history, looks to be turning the corner with one of the league's more intriguing rosters both on and off the field. Or... This experiment goes horribly wrong. Viewers witness too much bungling from the coaching staff, a rash of players who come across like raging head cases, and the general vibe is that of a tru- that of a troubling circus, not a team on the rise. Who wants to start? I, the latter, obviously. My imagination doesn't work well enough to consider the former. But, wow. but from what I've seen of the Browns, it just like every year it's the latter. I, I think this is a very easy answer. It is the former. It is that the populace grows to like the Browns. First of all, this is made by NFL Films. It's not made to make the teams look bad. I But sometimes they do. I've come out of almost every single one of these feeling better about the team with Joe Philbin's Dolphins being one. I was going to say the <laughs> Not- Not- what about the Rams? Notable exception. The- I think the, the Rams I just were think just the Browns there. have they were a, a little boring, but they they weren't like there. I just think there. I just think I can look at, I can look around the the executive staff and some of the the players I think have a a good group from what you see. It's just like there are a couple sort of sitting ducks out there that if they don't hit it out of the park perception-wise, they're they're already in an uphill battle. This Let's start so with on Mark, Jackson. Mark's radar. It's, it's been for years. Like the anxiety of Sundays watching the Browns with with Mark is now going to be like Wednesdays in August. It's like starting a month early. The, and wow. Also, to use an industry term, I believe the teams have final cut on this. Like they get to take a look at it. And, I don't like that either. And I know like the GM was vocal about um, not wanting to do the show. I think the NFL right. might even go out of their way to help the Browns. And obviously what this show is for the Browns is public PR. They've been the league's embarrassment for years now. So I I would think with all the kind of it's a show of optimism. One of the reasons I like hard knocks, it's a show about looking ahead to a season and, and almost every team except for the 2012 dolphins comes off. The season looks bright. The bucks looked like they were going to go 19 and 0 last year. So I think they will have plenty of positive subplots. I'm saying this to you, Mark, to make you feel better and not be nervous. There'll be plenty of positive things for them to focus on. And even if they have a bad preseason, for instance, 
they usually gloss over that uh, if they go 0-4. I think you're going to have a nice picture of your team, and you're going to be excited. I'm just glad this is this is like the third se- segment of Greg Williams in our life, following all That's or what nothing. I'm Greg That's Williams what I'm saying. A little bit too Greg. much. It's a lot of Greg Williams. I think it can't edit everything out. Also, but I think they'll be smart enough. Although he is kind of good TV, just because he is Bud Kilmer. That we don't need to see too much behind, more behind-the-scenes Greg Williams. But we'll see what they do. Wes, you're up. I don't need to see any Greg Williams, and I will not be watching. Oh, that's <laughs> a great show. <laughs> no, I don't need Greg Williams in my life just because you want to put him on TV. He's barely going to be in it. No. Watch it for the rest. I think he's going to be in it a lot. Fast forward the Greg Williams. No, things. Greg Williams. No, I've By seen way, enough of that guy. Remember how much Hugh Jackson chewed up the scenery in the Cincinnati Hard Knocks oh, the first one? Oh, that's true. He is going to be all over this show, and I think he might actually kind of maybe overshadow the rest of the assistants. We'll see. What's more likely? Yes. What's more likely? Des Bryant signs with the Buffalo Bills, or Adrian Peterson signs with the Buffalo Bills? Mm. Well, we have the obviously the LaShawn McCoy situation, which has gone a little dark in the past few days, so we don't know – where that is. But even behind McCoy as it stands, if McCoy was there, who else is in that building? Chris, Chris Ivory? Like, I don't, you don't know a whole lot. Who got benched by the Jaguars down the stretch? Like DeMarco Murray they just gave retired. A lot of money. They gave Chris Ivory a surprising amount of money. I would go Des Bryant because I do believe Des Bryant's going to be in the NFL this year, and I don't necessarily expect Adrian Peterson to. He could be, but I have no idea. Whereas Des will... He really should wind up on a team sooner than later. There were reports early on when Des first got released that the Bills were interested in him, but that he had no interest in them. That's my bigger issue. Is De- even if it means he doesn't play, does, De- does Des Bryant agree to go to a Bills team that could go 3-13, and 4-12? and 12? He's got to keep his career going. Exactly. I think at a certain point, if he doesn't have any other option, that would make sense. Um, I'll go with Des. I think that's probably the likeliest answer. Uh, all right, next. Here we go. What's more likely? What's more likely? Speaking of the Cowboys, Earl Thomas is a Cowboy by this time next month. So what are we now right now? July 18th. So August 18th. Or the Cowboys have a new number one wide receiver option other than Alan Hearns. And I'm not saying they're going to have, you know, Julio Jones on the team, but somebody in the Alan Hearns hemisphere uh, where they can at least say, well, all right, we can hedge our bets a little bit rather than just put all, push all the chips in on Mr. Hearns. I think it's Earl Thomas because I think the Cowboys already feel like they got their guy in Alan Hearns. Yeah, I don't know. They're not going to bring someone in from outside of the organization through a trade. I think that's going to go to the top. I suppose it's possible, but it's hard to it's hard. I'm not to saying he would be installed, uh, this mystery right. man. Right. I'm saying it would give them somebody that, even as the season progresses, maybe – blossoms into that. I see a little bit of Jerry Jones pride involved here where it's like if you turn around after cutting Des Bryant and even if we get that Des Bryant is not your number one guy and you have to give up draft capital to get someone else's wide receiver to be your number one guy it just doesn't look the whole thing does not look good on Jerry Jones. They don't really yeah I think they're going to enter their season without a number one receiver. Do we think Earl's there? They're going to enter the season without a number two receiver. That's what I mean. It's, I think Earl's still, just, as Greg said, still a very distinct possibility it, that to, this could happen. To Dan's point, they are probably the number one or they're up there team to watch 
for you know some sort of veteran receiver that, that, that might have an issue or get traded or get cut at the end of the camp. They're going to be a team that's looking for one. The depth chart is that suspect where I think they almost have to keep looking and maybe something clicks. Great. Well, I'll just keep the theme going. Who is more likely? All right. <laughs> I, I thought you say what's more likely at the end. I don't know. You can do it anyway. <laughs> what makes you feel comfortable, right. you can do. Teddy Bridgewater gets traded by the end of training camp or Paxton Lynch gets traded by the end of training camp or Earl Thomas gets traded by the end of training camp. What's, what's more likely? What's more likely? I ranked them Earl Thomas or Paxton Lynch third, Earl Thomas second, Teddy Bridgewater first. Mm. Paxton Lynch. So you think Teddy Bridgewater. Well, Paxton Lynch is a guy I think it would be traded for like a conditional seventh round pick or something like that. Who wants Paxton Te- Lynch? Probably not. Not many people. He does. He does. Jerry Jones wanted the Cowboys. (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater has a chance to show something where suddenly there could be a bit of a bidding war if you're a team that needs whatever Teddy Bridgewater brings you. If you don't have a, I mean, the starters are mostly sealed up. Most of these teams. Earl Thomas to me just feels like the most likely thing because of the angst involved in that situation already. Paxton, I think, and if you listen to certain people, whether it's in the football cognoscenti. Or behind the scenes, and it's a know, creepy look. You just conversations <laughs> at the uh, local the meat bars. mop look. Uh, the meat mop look there. Um, I don't think Paxton. I think he's got stink on a Paxton Lynch. It's not just that he's struggled or has not uh, been worth a first round pick. So I don't think anybody. It's not a good sign him. when Chad Kelly, Jim Kelly's son, seventh round pick, is believed to be a very serious competitor for the backup job Thanks. against Paxton Lynch. Uh, I think Earl Thomas is the most likely one. All right, and now a word from our other sponsor. Mm. Have you come this far in life without knowing the achievements of British scholar and economist Susan Strange? Born in 1923, Strange bucked state-centric analytic trends and warned us many years ago of the dangers of, in quotes, casino capitalism and mad money per a 2014 report out of Princeton. In 1942, Strange married Dennis Merritt. They had one son, one daughter, but the marriage was dissolved for reasons unknown in 1955. That same year, Susan Strange turned around and married Clifford Selly, with whom she had three sons and one daughter. But Susan wasn't done. In 1988, she unfurled a fiery pamphlet novella named States and Markets. Within its pages, she dropped an A-bomb on academia by coining the term Market Authority Nexus. In a paper by Christopher May entitled Strange Fruit, Susan Strange is quoted as saying, it is the information-rich occupations, whether associated with manufacturing or not, that confer power much more now than the physical capacity to roll goods off an assembly line. But May also takes issue with Strange, saying, in quotes, she clearly sees her work, especially in states and markets, as suggestive rather than offering final answers. This leads to the question of whether Strange really is offering a fully developed theory at all. Sign up for Mr. Flame's high school economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands, today at www.flameclass.com. Someone call that a strange ad read. Oh. Hello. 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 Good to have Mr. Flame back in the mix. Mr. F. Wonder what he's doing right now. He's probably riding his bike with his wife. Traveling quite a bit. Eating bread. Like really good bread. Like fresh out of the oven. Tending to his nursery. Enjoying a beautiful backyard. Befriending a sheep. 
All these things. They know how to live from what I see. Are in the mix. All right. One more time around the horn. What's more likely? Mark Sessler. All right. Largely unknown stat. Over the past decade, and I looked this up. It took me about an hour to do this. No preseason has had more than four undefeated teams. (laughs) What's more likely? Five teams go undefeated this preseason or one current member of the Around the NFL podcast has a negative encounter with an animal. For instance, a bird flies into Greg's kitchen window, splatters all over the glass, and immediately dies. Or Dan is bit on the butt cheek by a dog. negative? For the bird. Okay. For you having to clean it up. Not in a positive. <laughs> Monster. Love seeing dead birds. Dan bit on, on, a butt, on his butt cheek on by buttocks. a dog on your buttocks. Or Wes <laughs> runs over a possum on the PCH. Or finally, maybe Colleen comes back from Europe with foot and mouth disease. Is Colleen coming back from Europe? Do we have That's a great question in that? itself. What a gig. What's so what's more likely? Five plus undefeated preseason teams or animal encounter. Do bugs count? No. Okay. Because I have these really stupid bugs that I mean, like a giant spider, like a black widow spider would. Every every time this time of year, every year we have a screen door, like many homes in LA do, like those heavy screen doors. And right around this time of year, Emily and I will be watching television at night, and all of a sudden you'll just hear these things like <laughs> just slamming into our door. And then sometimes they crawl under, and they're these like big, stupid, like dumb-looking things, and they just crawl around the living room like very sad looking creatures. Now, I mean, I'm, they, not, I'm not counting that. It's a nice, that's an interesting story they, you've told. Could me. they potentially <laughs> overrun the home and, and it become a major issue for me with that count? You're saying no. House being overrun by insects to the, well, yeah. yeah, I think that would. Oh, I would. You, what you presented for the undefeated preseason scenario seems like an extreme mathematic unlikelihood. Whereas I've learned when you have a backyard in your life, animals become a bigger part of your life. It, there's definitely a chance of an encounter with an animal. So I'm going with that. Yeah, I think I think animals. You said that, and it just set off my spidey senses of some mm. sort of interaction one of us is going to have, maybe with the neighborhood dog. I have a very no, good relationship none with of us have. None of us have any animals. Rats? Right? I'm not so. concerned about dogs. Rats would qualify. Rats would qualify, and I've seen one on the power lines right above my garage. I've Especially got- if you're bitten by a rat while you're sleeping on like on the face or stomach. I've got many pet crickets that live inside my walls and just chirp at night with Pet me. crickets? That does not count. I've had rat encounters before. You don't want them. I, don't, I want to circle back to Greg not seeing any sadness and a bird smashing <laughs> itself to death. dark in front of you, and you just be like, so what's so bad about that? Yeah. It's it would just... terrify your children, by the way. Well, I think it's evolution. If you if uh, if they can't figure that out, they probably don't deserve to be there. Little Patrick Bateman, that's all I'm saying. That was the joke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Wes? Get your uh, facial recognition technology together. We're going down to the lab. Oh, Are you ready? Is Mark's coming, right? Mark's coming. Did you accept the invite? I don't know. I kind of was thinking, like, what Mark's- if I just open my own lab with a whole, its whole different vibe? So the three of us are going to the lab yet. because yeah. Mark's going to stand on Fantasy Corner for this one. Oh, mm. okay. So that's interesting. For them. Ravens, what's more likely? Yeah. Ravens rookie quarterback Lamar Jackson emerges as the trendy late-round fantasy sleeper next month, or Colts rookie running back Jordan Wilkins emerges as the trendy late-round fantasy sleeper no Frank Gore, Marlon Mack coming off shoulder surgery, Robert Turbin suspended four games, Jordan Wilkins underrated in the draft, a potential late round gem. Which one is more likely to be a fantasy sleeper? Mm. Who's the first one again? Lamar Jackson. Oh, 
I'm going to go with Wilkins. Because Jackson, such a long shot to be even starting week one. And even if he was starting week one, granted the running rookie quarterbacks have had success in fantasy, but usually the fantasy group community kind of doesn't really get too excited about rookie quarterbacks regardless. So I'm going Wilkins. I'm with you. But I think it's just like about volume that Wilkins, if, that, if all these other things create a void and chaos in that backfield, suddenly you know this guy's going to be getting for. 15, 20 rushes Graf. a game. I think that the Colts offense should be high on fantasy leaguers radars this year. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We Ryan are, Grant is another guy if he's healthy in camp that I was thinking. We are wildly rough. overdue for a useful fantasy season for a Colts running back. Yes. When's the last time that, that was the case? Joseph Adai? I think that might be right. My God, what was that, like eight years ago? <laughs> Since before they drafted Luck. Vic Ballard had a little run, but didn't. That was more like a late round or a late season waiver pickup. My goodness. Yeah, that, that would be. I've checked choice. out. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, my my second one kind of we've we've crossed over it a couple of times, so I'm just going to throw it over to Greg to close this out. How about Nathan Peterman starts week one or Baker Mayfield starts week one? What's Peterman. more likely? V. Baker. I think it's Baker Mayfield just based on talent. I think he has a chance to be better than Tyrod Taylor right away, and I don't think Nathan Peterman is going to look good compared to Josh Allen. Well, it would raise the question then, back to the Browns coaching staff, if that's true, why do you spend all offseason telling us that like a nuclear bomb would have to land on Tyrod Taylor for him not to start? It is the Browns, though. They are the team that you would least be surprised if this Then happened. you'd have encouraged that they made the right decision by, by picking the better it's player. It's also the Browns, so you can't totally rule out the bomb happening. Just saying. Right. Possible. I'm going Peterman because I think they like Peterman. I think you've got nothing else at quarterback that seems like a guarantee. And with what's going on, I would take Josh Allen and just say, no way are you going on the field for a while. What about A.J. McCarron? I think beating out A.J. McCarron is not an impossibility. That's what I'm saying. They like they like, they like Peterman. I guess I'm the... Oh, that's a Musburger. <laughs> I guess... Oh! oh! It's getting hot in here. Um... McCarron is there. He's in the building. Peterman, I guess they still like him. I mean, but I, I, is it I impossible to see A.J. McCarron playing himself out of a starting job also yes. in the preseason? I mean, of course possible. You know. What are they doing? If Nathan Peterman's the starting quarterback week one, I I am not feeling very good about the, the Bills winning. <laughs> You're not well, there's you, you, this year's you Broncos yeah. quarterback. But I mean, I'm like, I know everybody's got the Bills peg right now between probably, what, three and, and zero and five wins. <laughs> I'm taking the under if Nathan Peterman comes out of camp and they're like, this is the best guy for us right now. Well, who would push you to the over? What would I mean, is it McCarron? McCarron maybe would be a guy that can not fall on his face. McCarron or yeah. Allen. Yeah, and Allen is the guy that's kind of like. I have no reason to think that A.J. McCarron is better than Nathan Peterman. Well, Nathan Peterman's prior experience in the NFL, if, if – AJ McCarron's has not been great either, but Peterman was historically terrible when he got a chance. One coaching <laughs> staff decided that Peterman had earned a, an audition, and the other coaching staff decided over four years that AJ McCarron had never earned an audition. So you can't have it both ways there, though, because you always say Cincinnati is too slow; they no, they don't make any moves. He probably should have had a chance by now, but it's the the Bengals, and that's what they do. They just, I don't think I've ever said that the Bengals coaching staff can't evaluate their own talent. They are inept in other ways. I guess it's just a very Cincinnati thing to me that they never took a look at McCarron more other than when he played when Dalton was injured. Maybe they saw enough then. Well, we might find out because we'll probably see all three of those guys. In That's what I think. You're going to see them all. 
All right. Uh, by the way, again, this is a video show. Check it out tomorrow, uh, Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern, uh, uh, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern, NFL.com slash ATN Live to see it. Also, have you nominated the Around the NFL podcast for the Listener Podcast Awards yet? It's free and easy to do so. Just head to podcastawards.com and nominate around the NFL in the sports category. And don't forget, as I mentioned at the top of the show, oh, my goodness, on Monday, tune in because we have a (laughs) rebirth is concerning. I'm happy to be out of the baby game. Oh, my God. From your lips to God's ears, my friend. Joe Beningo got himself in some trouble. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Should have added that to news. Stan Hans is signing off for a quiet storm. The mailman, the old boss, Lindsay Fulton behind the glass. Thanks to everybody on the video side as well. Oh, my goodness. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.